Hey everybody, it's Arash Amini. This is the Amini Corp podcast. It is Tuesday, November 3rd, American Election Day. How incredible is it that American politics dominates global news cycles? Is This is one of the most important days for the planet. Isn't that wild? Aren't we so blessed to be Americans? Honestly, I know it's rough if you're out there and you've been affected by the coronavirus or globalization or anything else, right? Life's not easy. I'm sorry, but I guarantee you there's a way out. We are going to discuss on this show a couple of major news stories. Uh, The die has been cast as far as the American election is concerned. There's nothing really to discuss there. I'm not interested in exploring our differences. I believe in union through commerce and that every bird needs two wings to fly. So whatever happens has been set by the uh, events of the past four years and is currently in waiting in the hearts of voters to be cast on the ballots if they haven't already done so through record early voting turnout. So there's no news there as far as I'm concerned. We'll all find out together. Let's talk about the things that matter. Putting food on the table for families in America by solving problems in the American culture, if you will, in our society by supplying solutions to those that demand those solutions. One thing I want to start off real quick. This is an old news story, and it just did not get enough press coverage. I have this model of the uh, new economy where the future economic growth will be will be uh, experienced by firms that help the their their stakeholders pursue. Um, self-actualization. As more people join the mid, the middle class globally, more people pursue self-actualization once their lower needs have been met, once they have excess capital and can participate in capitalism and have excess time and cash and begin to wonder, what am I doing with my life? Companies that support that quest, the ultimate goal of life is to become self-actualized. Nothing feels better. I feel at times I'm on the right path and I'm just breathing in joyously every breath I can. And at times I falter and it's not fun. In fact, it's almost painful. But needless to say, this economic model, this framework was reinforced. So I started talking about this years ago, maybe three years ago two years ago at least, and then August 19th, 2019, the Business Roundtable published a press release on corporate governance, reading, titled, Business Roundtable redefines the purpose of a corporation to promote, quote, an economy, an economy that serves all Americans, end quote. Updated statement moves away from shareholder primacy, includes commitment to all stakeholders. This is everything. You can find it by searching business roundtable shareholder definition, and it'll pop right up. Of course, you can go to businessroundtable.org and search there. 
Now, Business Roundtable CEOs reflect on the anniversary of the updated statement. And this is one of the most important news stories in the world because of the impact that Western business practices have globally. Our ability to create shareholder value is incredible given our social and socioeconomic diversity in America. We invent more, we discover more, it's incredible. America is the only country that you can join willingly. You don't have to be born into to become a member of, right? I will never be Italian, <laughs> ever. No matter how long I move there, I live there, no matter how much I donate, I will never be Italian because I don't have that birthright. Now, one year later, purpose of a corporation, August 2019, August 19th, 2019, 181 CEOs of America's largest corporations overturned a 22-year-old policy statement that defined a corporation's principal purpose as maximizing shareholder return. This caused tremendous harm across America and the world because corporate returns were sought after above all else. So unless you owned a stock in that company, you were not deemed a responsibility of that company. So they could pollute the waters, literally, of the city in which they lived in. They could buy water rights to package and sell internationally to the detriment of the local population. They could cause cancer. They could addict their own customers with extremely toxic substances. Companies could do anything, and as long as shareholder return was increased, the company was fulfilling its purpose. So it seemed like an okay idea, and the non-obvious consequences, the secondary and tertiary beyond consequences, were devastating. So this shift is incredible because, listen to this. In its place, the CEOs of Business Roundtable adopted a new statement on the purpose of a corporation, declaring that companies should serve not only their shareholders, but also deliver value to their customers, invest in employees, deal fairly with suppliers, and support the communities in which they operate. On August 19th, 2019, the corporation became a vehicle for good from an agnostic vehicle that could be used just as easily for bad, for evil even, right? If you're killing hundreds of thousands of people through opioid addiction, you're an evil corporation. A corporation is an entity, is a sum total of its processes that create value, financial value, or fi value measured financially, and is therefore the image of the founder's visions, ultimately, right? So if it's full of evil people, or enough evil people, or one really evil person, then the corporation can be skewed towards evil. It's an agnostic tool. Now, Every corporation that's being formed hereafter will increasingly want to and should, and I believe must, align itself with this new definition of a corporation. This is incredibly 
meaningful. And its effects will reverberate globally for hundreds of years. It's a beautiful thing. <clears throat> it's a beautiful thing. And they're, they're putting some money behind it. I'm very happy to see this. Yet, nobody knows. Of course, all their uh, people that signed off on it. Let's see, media coverage. Fortune. Paywall. Okay. So this is bad PR. Nobody knows what they're... No one's thinking about getting this out into the public eye. It's been in the financial business world. Um, and listen, part of this is because these companies understand that they can't keep doing what they've been doing individually. I won't name any names, but as an aggregate total. Or else they'll be destroyed by the public. And we're going to see in the next 10 years a return to free market capitalism with an embrace of socialism, of universal basic income, free housing, free they're free everything for anybody that wants it, who can't compete in the free market. The free market's rough, man. You have to be tough. You can't be dealing with trauma and compete in the free market. It's a skill of, it's a, it's a game of skill, of patience, of inner strength, right? And especially in this transformation, let's say it progresses and we become a utopian society and every corporation rises up and puts money into its new definition, wider definition of stakeholders, which is where everything's going because the driver underneath is the consumer that doesn't want to support evil corporations. Nobody wants to support a company that poisons their own children. And as soon as you find out in this era of social media, immediate news cycles, hyper fast news cycles, right? Smartphone video coverage, high speed internet, Rumors spread in an instant, and if they're corroborated, affect market markets immediately. So you can't start an evil corporation in 2020. Let's get into a great, that's a great segue to talk about a perfect example of not a you know, let, let, let's be fair. Evil is a wide, has a long spectrum. Auschwitz, 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 Auschwitz on one side, right? Maybe f there's a little further past that. And then on the other side is maybe lying to oneself, right? And then in between is the more uh, malign, malignant and benign forms of evil that allow for greater forms of evil to take place if they can or choose to. So let's talk about evil with a lowercase e, lying to oneself. Katzenberg led Queeby to Hollywood flop. 
the short, expensive life of entertainment's boldest startup. Bravo, Benjamin Mullen and Lillian Rizzo with the Wall Street Journal. This is an incredible, incredible story. $1.75 billion invested by not a single Silicon Valley investor. The number one investor, by the way, was the same company that backed this is a $100 million bet into Quibi, $200 million, that invested heavily into who? Theranos, the insane uh, startup, again, no Silicon Valley investor invested in, uh, that said from one prick of blood, we can have X, you know, dozens of hundreds of tests. That was a scam, complete fraud, as well as who? Solera, the $500 million solar scam. So this is a great example of so many things. Let's get into it. $1.75 billion invested. Former CEO of Hewlett Packard and eBay, whom uh, Mr. Mr. Katzenberg brought on as CEO. Oh, 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 what a story. What a story. This is my favorite story. This is just the best. I can't get over this story. And it's hilarious that these people were so sure that they understood the future of media, yet they were proven to be 100% wrong. They were so sure that they thought they were visionaries. It turns out their vision was false and nothing more than a mirage. It's not like they were a little heavy uh, handed with their investment. $1.75 billion. If this wasn't a scam, then I don't know what it was. Here's some crazy stuff. This guy, Katzenberg, was the head of uh, a division of Disney during the Lion King days. Invested so heavily in advertising, a dumb product, that there was no wiggle room left when it flopped. Quibi was a big idea and there was no one who wanted it to make it a success of it more than we did. We exhausted all options and came to the difficult decision to wind down the business, they said. They were proud of the work Quibi produced. Quibi. Do you have any idea what horrible bodily function that sounds so similar to? Profound apology. According to the person familiar with a call, Quibi finished with 450,000 paid subscribers, nowhere near the 7.4 million it was targeted. It was targeting in the first year with a $4.99 per month fee. So one of the things here is long form, excuse me, uh, high production video content, Hollywood video content is being devalued on a dollar per minute basis due to the endless movies that come out via major Hollywood studios every year, more and more and more, it seems like, 
Then Netflix and the, now the streaming wars. Netflix, Hulu, Peacock even now, Amazon, HBO, right? Everyone's investing into streaming shows, <clears throat> charging you a fixed dollar amount, yet is producing more and more content. So Netflix now I think is $20 for its high tier, premium tier. That $20 gets you more as a fixed price, let's just say, yet every month there's more content. So now if you took the sum total of every piece of video and all the minutes of video there, and you calculate the dollar per minute you're buying, the, your, your dollar is going further, but the value of every minute of content is going lower and lower. It's approaching zero. So this idiot thought he could play, jump into the game and made several key assumptions that did not bear out. His empire was built on false assumptions. These two successful business people were not good at creating something new. And this is the difference between startups, new businesses, ideation, and operation. Anybody can go get an MBA and run a business to varying degrees. None of those people can start a company successfully. Very, very small percentage of them. If you can, you don't go get the MBA. Why would you spend that much money on an MBA when you can just go do it on your own? So the hubris of this business elite class thinking they can invent something new and assuming anyone can do it. And if they have enough money that it's good, it's helpful, and that it's not actually a problem. Overcapitalization is a major problem. So the company considered alternatives to liquidation, including a shift to a freemium model where most content would be free except for certain premium features. They found that sustaining that approach would require about 2.4 billion of capital by 2024, including 400 million next year. What kind of crack are these people smoking? That is insane. After closing a billion dollar funding round in 2018, Mr. Katzenberg and Ms. Whitman went on a hiring spree to bring in top technology and media talent, recruiting employees from Netflix, Hulu, and Snap Incorporated. They pitched the service as a revolutionary fusion of Silicon Valley and Hollywood that would ride the rising tide of mobile viewing. And even though, I mean, here's another problem. When you're overcapitalized, you go on shopping sprees because you want to move fast and anticipate high growth in general, right? You're optimistic, you're anticipating a breakout hit always, and so you want to, when you're overcapitalized, you undervalue key decisions early on. The initial conditions of the business, per my model, the initial conditions of the business um, the, dictate the overall ability, the, the ability of the business to achieve its overall, its maximum potential. Just like a seed in the ground that doesn't get watered properly or an embryo in a body that is, you know, 
poisoned via alcohol, right? Too much alcohol. It affects the ability of the plant or the person to fully reach its potential per that's set set in stone, so to speak, in its DNA. So here they are trying to start a streaming as a service, another Hollywood studio, effectively, is what they're doing, right? And they think it'll be huge, and that if they charge half the price of Netflix or a third, that that'll somehow give them an advantage. But the problem is, again, the dollar, the, the, the dollar value of every minute of content. So they're starting with X minutes, and they, I guarantee, didn't do a comparison to say, we have, I, I wish I knew how much, let's see if we can search, how much content is on Netflix in, let's just Google that, 50,000 titles, and in minutes. How long would it take? 2.2 million minutes of content currently available. Okay. 2,200,000. Uh, let's say $20 now is the new fee. Netflix cost. Oops. Uh, $17.99 for the premium. $14.99. So let's split the difference and just say $15 to keep it simple. So $15 divided by 2,200,000 times 100. So we're talking about 0.00068 per minute. So every minute of content is worth a, a, a ten thousandth, let's just say a thousandth of a penny. So how many minutes of content was QB putting on their platform? This is times this number, 0. 0.00068, is the value, perceived value of the consumer to how much they should be charging. Because this is the psychology of the buyer now. Netflix has invested heavily. It's changed the market. It's created demand or maybe met on vocalized demand. So now, just like Uber and Lyft and all, and uh, Uber and uh, Uber Eats and who uh, hubs was it Grubhub, etc., have made uh, food delivery ubiquitous and in demand. So too has Netflix and the streaming services made cheap, high-quality content in demand. So charging $4.99 doesn't mean you're going to get a three times the conversion rate. That doesn't follow. That's not logical. They really should have charged whatever this number is, how many minutes of, how much, how many minutes of content on Quibi? I doubt that's out yet. 10 minutes for lead, uh, 2 billion. How much content on Quibi? 7,000 pieces of content times 10 minutes. 7,000 times 10, 70,000. 
So 70,000 times 0 0.006. Is that right? 70,000. Oh, that's 42 cents. I believe 42 cents. Is that right? So if we had $15 divided by 2.2 million times 70,000, 47 cents a month was the perceived value of Quibi. So they were off by a factor of 10, almost exactly. Their, their high value production. I mean, these are nice, these were professionally made videos, Hollywood videos with stars in them and writers and the whole shebang, just like Netflix, just like everybody else. Was valued at 47 cents, not $4.99. Of course, this is not the way these people think. They were arrogant. It gets better, right? The fact of the matter is they spent, what was it? Um, how much did they spend on content? Almost a billion dollars on content and marketing alone. Content, marketing, and, and uh, salaries. The fact of the matter is, and then they compared it to TikTok, which Mr. Katzenberg passed on and his employees thought was embarrassing to admit. Quibi focused its energies and much of its money on lining up a string of big content deals. Liam Hemsworth agreed to make Most Dangerous Game, a show about human hunting, while Anna Kendrick, Anna Kendrick starred in Dummy, a show about a living sex doll. What the fuck, dude? Those sound like horrible and dark shows that half of America doesn't want to see. No conservative wants to watch those two shows. So who are you making shows for first? Is it for liberals or conservatives or both? Because that sounds like a pile of garbage as far as I'm concerned. That's what you're leading with. And then this guy passes on TikTok. Uh, in addition to recommending the QB. So uh, uh, from the start, executives and advisors debated whether QB was setting itself up properly. In addition to recommending the QB should be made available on TVs, outside advisors and some QB employees also recommended to no avail. The services allow social sharing features similar to Alphabet Inc.'s YouTube at launch. TikTok, a service that let users uh, share short videos, has boomed. Intellectual property protections in professional Hollywood content make sharing difficult. QB eventually created a feature that allowed users to share stills from its shows. What the fuck, people? This is the problem. You enlisted Hollywood elites to make a company that paid way too much money to rich celebrities to make content that half of America doesn't want to see using legal structures that disallow that disallow viral uh, that close off your viral loop. Sharing clips online would be free advertisement instead. So this is. This is what happens when you go against the new economy. You have to spend 175, 1.75 billion. I think they returned something like 250 or something 
over a billion dollars they burned going against the headwinds that the, the, the business council has so the business roundtable has so eloquently and officially classified or or specified or defined so the 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 let's look at the opposite tiktok user generated content high virality because you could share your clips anywhere and there's a tiktok plug on the screen uh real human beings sharing real stories uncensored low budget free content effectively right creating content and the the warmth you feel on tiktok when you notice that my god people are so creative it's impressive in a minute they get a whole story across some people do amazing special effects work and all sorts of cool things because hey guess what you don't have to be a celebrity or a hollywood uh, screen actor guild you know uh, in the in the union of writers to come up with something funny in fact the freedom of no restraints lets you be funnier who would have thought so instead of hiring celebrities to make stupid videos or movies that nobody wants to see, they could have hired influencers across social media and comedians and wrote uh, original shows around edgy content, maybe gotten a little controversial. It's so amazing that Hollywood thinks that perhaps a show about a living sex doll and about a human hunting is edgy that's the same garbage hollywood's been pumping down our throats for 40 years that's not edgy edgy would be like a trump a movie about a trump supporter like finding love you know what i mean <laughs> or like uh edgy would be uh about someone wanting to go uh get a transgender person wanting to reverse their surgery edgy would be about a kid that's homeschooled dating for the first time in the middle of Idaho, right? These are things that they can't even perceive because they're so intellectually inbred. Their ideas only in exchange with their own ideas, people in these bubbles. Now, here's a crazy part that went totally undiscussed. In March, the reality of the, excuse me, Yes, excuse me. In March, the reality of the coronavirus pandemic began to set in. CBS and Quibi held a dinner at a Mediterranean restaurant in New York to celebrate the launch of 60 and 6. A Quibi newscast developed with CBS, with, uh, with CBS meant to help 60 Minutes reach younger audiences. Are you fucking kidding me? No young person watch, wants to watch a video magazine show run by old people. Are you insane? Several CBS staffers contracted COVID-19 and health officials informed them that they were among the first batch of known cases in the city. CBS News declined to comment. That CBS News, was, was CBS the, the super spreader of coronavirus in New York City? They just moved past. By the end of the second quarter, Quibi expected its cumulative spending on content marketing and salaries to cross $930 million. So they hired people from in the bubble, from Netflix, from Hulu, from Snap, with their inflated salaries and brought their ideas effectively to clone those other companies, right? At least the cult, you know, maybe the culture, maybe not. They brought in the Queeby. They hired 
So they brought in old ideas. They brought in old actors. They brought in old executives. And by old, I mean legacy. And then legacy content was made. Unbelievable. In a company presentation, executives, executives promoted a strategy they called KB 2.0 that involved belt tightening. You can't tighten a billion-dollar belt. Business scenario planning, which you should have done first. Executives acknowledged QB had a large pool of inactive users, but said the QB content is resonating. Of course it's resonating. That's the, the most vague term you can say. QB then got to work on features that would allow users to stream shows on their TVs, ultimately heeding advisors' pre-launch warnings. The first was available in May, but it was too late. And then Mr. Katzenberg, which was the ultimate problem here, hired a female CEO, which really her title, the title of the role she was in should have been president or COO because he micromanaged everything. Mr. Katzenberg, famously, a famously fastidious executive gave copious input on the shows Kibi was developing with partner companies, according to people familiar with the matter. While developing a daily news show with NBC News, Mr. Katzenberg helped select the anchor and insisted the host wear a suit and sit behind a desk, a style some people involved, involved thought was stiff and was striking the wrong tone for a youth-focused app. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. Can you imagine how much money the advertisement firm got to put the, put the name QB on the, on a piece of paper? Quick bites. Meanwhile, Joe Rogan has three hour podcasts with a hundred million downloads a month. People jumping ship. QB spoke summary of an employee survey said in uh, commitment, you know, blah, blah, blah. Months after she joined, Ms. Whitman sent Mr. Katzenberg an email laying out her complaints about his behavior. She said he was treating her like an underling, demeaning employees. He's the chairman. He should not be actively involved in operations unless at the behest of the CEO. Demeaning employees and micromanaging the company, according to the person familiar with the manner. This cannot continue as no one will know who's in charge and everyone will think they have two bosses who don't ever set the same direction. I've seen this movie. It doesn't play out. She's accomplished, has nothing to prove. As Kibi, as Kibi, Kibib, Kibib business challenge, as a Kibib business challenges mounted over the summer, Kibi considered a proposal to slash spending on marketing substantially. Mr. Katzenberg rejected that idea and approved an advertising blitz on TV, billboards, and digital media, according to a person familiar with the deliberations, the nail in the coffin. That was the money they could have spent riding out the pivots needed to survive. <laughs> God, how does this guy not kill himself? He's, he should be ashamed. Mr. Katzenberg would sometimes point out Netflix spent millions to promote the action drama Extraction. Those around him said Kiwi shouldn't compare itself to Netflix. Again, 70,000 minutes of content versus 2.2 million. You're nothing compared to Netflix. Oh my God. And meanwhile, the company launched after trying to pivot, nothing worked. Meanwhile, the company launched an effort to explore sales. Pitches to NBC Universal, Amazon, and Facebook Inc. went nowhere. 
Kibi ultimately hired Alex Partners, a restructuring firm. People said familiar with the matter. Trolls Tune, the final segment of the article. At an all-hands video call on October 21, Kubi told its roughly 250 employees it would be closing and they would be paid severance. Mr. Katzenberg suggested employees listen to Get Back Up Again, a song from the soundtrack of trolls to lift their spirits, according to people familiar with the call. <laughs> oh, oh, this is a good one. I skipped over. At a... At a, at a uh, Meeting, uh, Mr. Kasselberg tried to answer employee concerns at an all-hands meeting earlier in May. Attendees said he said he was confident life would return to normal and people would be back standing in line at the dry cleaners where they could watch Kubi, the sort of line some employees viewed as out of touch. Oh my God, dude. Oh my God. Yeah. So, of course, I emailed Quibi to say I'll buy their assets. We'll see what happens. I mean, you literally, the app would be interesting to own. The content's garbage, I guarantee it. No celebrity in there would ever produce anything of interest when their name is on the line. They have to play it safe. Instead, if you put real influencers and up-and-coming non uh, guild member, like writers, writers of whatever the, uh, uh, not the actors guild, but like the, you know, the union for writers. Uh, if you have up and comers in this app who have social media followings on other platforms, you would get immensely better results. You'd get funnier, more dramatic, more real. I mean, for God's sake, dry cleaners in line at the dry cleaners? Who's in line at the dry cleaners? Nobody stands in line. You put your stuff in. You don't wait outside to get in. Once you put your clothes in the dry cleaners, you sit or you leave. There's no line at the dry cleaners. What kind of idiot is this man? Meanwhile, you know, it's like it's the whole thing. This is definitive proof that... Media is over. Legacy media is dead. It's no longer dying. It's dead, and it's never going to come back. And all these people are going to have to look for jobs for overinflated salaries, and no one wants to pay them because they can't deliver real results. This guy could have made so much money for his shareholders if he had, instead of taking components from a legacy establishment, that's dying and trying to insert it into a new vehicle for the new economy, he could have instead built a bridge for the capital from, from the legacy media into new economy, a, a vehicle made for the new economy. A direct misalignment with the headwinds of the American business. I mean, he should literally, be, he should be spanked in public, at least. If I was a shareholder, I would want him to be just paddled in public a little bit. This guy is insane. You hire a, and also, hey, just because you're the CEO of Hewlett Packard doesn't mean you know how to run a startup. A startup starts 
with an ingenious idea and then still has to find product market fit. These people said, we know what the market wants. We're going to build it and they will come. Look at the data. People want shorter content. They'll be on their commutes. I mean, this guy had the best situation in the world. Miss Whitman said the company likely failed because its idea wasn't strong enough and the timing wasn't good. Nothing could have made your idea stronger. What do you what do you need? More Hollywood studios? More celebrity endorsements? More advertising? No. The idea was bad. And it was never vetted and tested and allowed to pivot and find its way. I mean, my God, not including smart video apps so you can log in and watch it. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. What a case study in business failure. And these people were successful. Calls into question everything they've ever done and anyone who's ever invested in them. It really does. I mean, my God. This was Hollywood's last-ditch effort to reinvent itself, and it failed on its face in like six months. And so this is, and by the way, one of my companies is going to be successful where Quibi failed. There's a revenue model here that makes sense and works that no one's really applied to mobile video. There's 16 or so, 13 to $16 billion in video ads left on the table due to poor analytics, mobile video ad revenue. And these idiots can't figure out how to do it. It's hilarious. I mean, if somebody bought Quibi at a bargain price, I would definitely help reposition it I have the industry connections for the right content. I have a validated customer acquisition model that I know people want what I'm talking about. And I have a technology stack that can generate tremendous revenues, tremendous revenues. And it's, it's a mobile video app. It's a mobile TV station, a, a digital TV station. On the phone, though, primarily. And everybody can win. But one of the key pieces is that there's no Katzenberg. It has to be data-driven. And all of the creative decisions are put in, in, into the creative hands. The content producers get to choose what they make. As long as you don't break the law, I don't care. And if you do break the law, great, I get publicity and you get a court summons. Like, I'm not going to protect someone from that the obviously broke a law. Unless they're making us a ton of money, then I'll hire a lawyer. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I'm joking. But you can't micromanage creativity, you dumb hack. I can't get over this enough. Dumb Hollywood elite wasted a billion dollars. What? We're going to do it for 100K. Oh, my God. Again, because, because, because 
I know how to align a business with the headwinds of the new economy. So you put your flag in the right direction, your sail in the right direction, you get free energy. You, you want to fight that headwind? You have to put a lot of diesel into the water. 100,000 divided by 1 billion. Ten million. Oh my God! How many zeros in a billion? Isn't that crazy? Hundred thousand million zeros. Point oh oh point oh 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 one one thousandth of a percent. Is that right? That's not point. That's uh. So point oh one percent. I am betting I can make my app financially break even, profitable. I'm going to go ahead and say profitable with 0.01% of the capital this idiot burned. And that will be the ultimate bet of the ultimate proof that the new economy is real. Moving on. Pubdesk. People in Europe are working at their desks at their local pub which is the best for anywhere from 10 to $20. You get like a meal, a beer, a coffee and Wi-Fi for four hours or something like that, which by the way, we works like 50 bucks a month, uh, a day, excuse me, and stuffy and kind of uncomfortable. And like, oh my God, you know what I mean? Like plastic, corporate, everything has an exclamation mark on it. We're part of a, you know, a family bullshit. I love that. Um, I think I'm going to buy the domain pub.desk because I just love that phrase. And every bar in America should be turned into a co-work space. One of the best things in the world is oftentimes part of my schedule is I get so much work done in the day because I'm doing a lot of intense strategy and planning. And I have these like three phases in my day morning where I get a lot of creative work done and it can extend till one o'clock and I may take lunch. I may not. It may extend till two. But right around, you know, I can have a strong morning and then I can have a, a decent mid-afternoon. But by lunch, my brain can't function. And the dates where I have to push it further, which is often, I will go and give it some glucose in the form of a beer at the bar. Change my scenery, change the environment, and burn a little bit of alcohol in the bloodstream. One beer at 3 p.m. gets me to working till 5. And I will do a lot of writing or whatever I have to do, a report, a summary, a deck, whatever it is, oftentimes. And um, it's it's one of the best things ever. And it's one of my uh, productivity hacks. This is a big one. Can vitamin D help fight coronavirus? Finally, finally, Dr. Rhonda Patrick on the Joe Rogan show uh, said as much in one of their episodes. And if you Google Rhonda Patrick, COVID vitamin D, her article will come up. Um, where is it? Um, found my fitness is her website. Vitamin D may reduce susceptibility to COVID-19 associated lung injury. She's a very detail oriented medical research doctor medical research doctor and 
goes at length into why this is the probably the case, the supporting work. And um, she built a whole membership site around supporting her research because she does stuff that nobody else is talking about. She brought this up. She was involved in a uh, clinical, I think, study in Italy, no, in, in Spain, and then a retroactive study in Italy. And all signs point to yes. They're, the doctors say uh, findings thus far prom are promising, but not conclusive because scientists need very strict uh, data. Um, what would you call it? It's a very strict form. They need, they need the right amount of data collected in the right way, and the results have to be within a certain set of parameters that are ir irrespective of the type of study. And, in, and those are hard to do for this kind of study. Those are, those are hard standards to meet for this kind of uh, experiment, if you will. Um, so you need two. Uh, so here it is. Because it is so small, but it has encouraged efforts to seek a definitive answer using large randomized controlled trials, the industry gold standard. Two, each involving up to 1,000 patients or underweight in Spain. Dr. Rhonda Patrick is involved with one of them. Um, I don't know if she's quoted in here. Yeah, but probably the cheapest way to, and even Fauci is taking um, is taking vitamin D. All right, some other small stories. Where was it? X Trader in LIBOR rigging to be freed after, I think, five years, serving five years in a 11-year prison sentence. This is like the one guy that got scapegoated for massive fraud in the uh, UK um, financial system. LIBOR is like the interbank interest, and he would like rig it. And I don't know exactly his scam, but there's so many people involved, and he's the only person that went to jail. This is interesting. Walmart ditches robots in aisles. It's over, man. People don't want robots everywhere. We would rather engage with humans. These companies that push robots are like brain dead. They think they're just pushing their product. They know they can invent. It's like a pharmaceutical company that doesn't promote the cheap pharmaceutical solution to a massive problem which might very well be vitamin d and instead wants to uh, force you to invest thousands of dollars instead of pennies per dose for something they've invented because if you invent it you can patent it so robots obviously are inventions so they can be patented and so walmart was like great they got bought they, they piloted this program to save a ton of money it doesn't work walmart proved it doesn't work let's rather pay humans so the era of, of robots doing all this stupid shit that humans should be doing instead, it's over. VR is over. Esports is over. Robotic butlers is over. Get your own damn coffee. Um, oh, there's one more I wanted to talk about real quick. Rental car firms enjoy rebound. That's good. Um, European companies say they're prepared for next lockdowns. I'm sure the ones that uh, the Wall Street Journal asked. Royal Caribbean extends hiatus. That's interesting. More start startups take fast track to listings. Boom in blank check companies. Tech rally helps spur shift away from staying private. That will go well, I'm sure. Um, and that's it, probably.
Economy, U.S. economy faces a winter chill. Rising coronavirus. Oh, coronavirus cases. So, PCR testing and the cycle count. This is really important. I have eight minutes left um, in understanding that cases, when the media, who's dying and dead and just doesn't know it, is experiencing a dead cat bounce right now with Trump's rate, you know, Trump bunk ratings. Um, when they say cases, that's scientifically inaccurate. What they should be saying is PCR test positives, positive tests. And um, where is that document? An overview of cycle threshold values and the role in SARS-CoV-2 real-time PCR test interpretation. So when you get a sample, the, the, the PCR test is, the, from what I understand, the dominant form of testing for coronavirus. And it's a testing that requires um, amplification of the virus in question. And requires multiple cycles of amplification to attach a substance, a molecule, to any virus in the sample so that enough virus samples can be tagged to this molecule that glow under light so that the sensor can detect glowing above a minimum threshold because there's just some minor glowing in any sample because of various biological activities, physics, physical mechanisms, I guess. So every time they amplify it through a, a cycle of uh, attaching or trying to attach uh, this molecule to any virus in the sample, they double the amount of attachment, if you will. So running a test once, a cycle once, and okay, and then running it twice, you've now doubled the amount of um, of of the of the fluorescent molecule in the water in the sample. So running it thirty times, it's a logarithmic scale. So you've doubled it thirty times. So from thirty-three cycles to forty cycles is one hundred twenty-eight times as much of this polymer. And I guess once, if you haven't detected it by thirty-three cycles, there's no live virus there, most likely. And if you did it, if you've detected it from 33 cycles to 40 cycles, you are most likely detecting remnants of virus at that point. If you haven't detected it by 33, there's no live virus. And if you detect it afterwards, it's most likely you're detecting remnants of dead virus. And so there's a massive issue here. Just because you have a positive PCR test does not mean you have a coronavirus case. And so we have this explosion in cases, quote unquote, but they're really PCR positive tests, which is not the same. And this is a deliberate lie to instill fear and support lockdowns. It's medically, scientifically inaccurate and medical malpractice. There are not that many coronavirus cases. And we don't know because every lab does a different test and has a different set of thresholds, but many are going past 33, I guess.
And I'm still trying to understand this. So every time I talk about it, I get a little bit more understanding. Anyway, whoever wins this next election will go through the court procedures, our legal system will work, and we will have a new president. Regardless of this next president, we must work together as Americans and as human beings to solve the many pressing issues that have not been solved yet. And I believe through business, through commerce, we can achieve a deeper union. I do believe in union through commerce. It worked in Europe. It's working in the United States. It's worked between America and China and Russia to some extent. And so creating businesses that align with the new economy, that adopt the new shareholder definition according to the business roundtable, that support the self-actualization of everybody is as simple as realigning the values of the business and communicating it to everybody. If you want to do that, you can. I'd be happy to help anybody that wants to do it, whether it's an existing business, small, large, or new business. And if anybody wants to buy QB, let me know. This is Arashimini. Thank you for listening and take care.